Today, I'm sitting down with Artificial DM. We talk about RPG horror stories and some D&D pet peeves, as well as DMing itself, the complexities of it, social stuff that involves DMing, and also being cursed as a forever DM, and whether or not it's really a curse. All that and more today on Roll for Insight. Hello! Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, I guess I just call you Artificial DM? Yeah, Artificial, that works. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. So, you have a YouTube channel dedicated to telling RPG horror stories, correct? Yeah, for the most part. Um, so, it all kind of started as just a project to kind of learn how YouTube worked. And I never expected it to grow and develop into what it became, but like kind of writing it full force and uh, trying to provide some interesting stories that people haven't heard, some of the lesser-known horror stories that are out there. So you usually are trying to sort by new when you're looking through RPG horror stories rather than... <laughs> Either new or looking for the ones that have under 100 upvotes that are months old, you know. the There's such a trove out there of tales that people have told and some of the YouTubers, they, at the time, because when I started, there were only four, maybe five people that were reading horror stories full time. And they were just reading the ones that had multiple hundreds of upvotes anyway. Right. So when you're trying to sort by new, do you find that people often miss out on those kind of narratives? Like when you're trying to look for lesser known stories, do you find that there's a trend of what gets upvotes and what stays kind of in the in the shadows, so to speak? Uh, a little bit. From what I've seen, if your post length doesn't exceed more than four paragraphs and tends to have a very, I, I guess you would say, clickbaity title, you, your thing's going to skyrocket up and get multiple hundreds of upvotes. And there are a vast majority of horror stories, they're more than four paragraphs, or they they are only one paragraph and they suffer from poor spelling or mismanagement of actual paragraphs on the story. Yeah. But, but they're still good stories. When you're looking at RPG horror stories and you're trying to like take lessons out of them, what do you think is the most valuable lesson that someone can take out of an RPG horror story video? And it doesn't need to be one, of course. Like Multiple stories will have multiple different problems and morals to take out of it, but if you had to nail down like a couple really good lessons from your channel, what would you say is really important to learn for DMs and players? I probably would have to narrow it down to, number one, people are people. You, you've got to be able to associate with the other person, whether they are your GM or another player, or even if it's an outside force and they're coming in and disrupting your game, they have a certain perspective, a certain idea of what should be going on. And with that said, the second aspect is communication. Communication seems to be the biggest struggle that Come across, comes across to any of these games. Sometimes if the DM just said, time out, we're, we're taking five, ten minutes, what's going on here? What is it that you really want to do? Or communicating and going, hey, you know, this is a an imagination game. 
you know, it's cooperative storytelling with imagination. I understand that you may want your character to be able to do X, but I don't think that's really appropriate or I don't think that's really manageable. (laughs) And if communication was more apt, you know, either from a player standpoint or a DM standpoint, I feel like we would have less horror stories. Do you have a situation in your own DMing experience that maybe not turned into a horror story? You're like, I don't have a horror story myself, but do you have anything that got to that level? Uh, there, there was one, one shot that I ran and I had a player who had no interest in working with the rest of the party. And because it was a one shot, I never really addressed it. I just let the player go and do his own thing. Looking back at that, I realized that I probably should have said, you know, you can do this, but it would be better if you worked with the rest of the party. And I didn't want to push any, you know, what what do they say? Rock the boat or whatever. I just let it happen. And that's really on me, but you know, (laughs) like we were talking about communication earlier. How difficult is it to communicate? And do you have any tips for DMS who might not be able to stand up for their party and their game whenever some issue arises? Cause I see all the time, like the top comment is going to be, oh, why didn't you just kick them out of your game? Or why didn't you just leave the game with your DM? Like, do you have any advice for people who either want to leave a game or want to try to communicate an issue? Right. Because a lot of times they're the people that you're playing D&D with, they're not just some Joe Schmo that you picked up off the side of the road. They're your family members. They're your friends or friends of a friend. And you want to be able to make sure that you are coming across and being like listen i don't have a problem with what you want to do or let's take something mild let's say you've got a player every time that they're playing DD, the dm hasn't asked them to roll dice and they're just constantly picking up that d20 throwing it and going nat 20 i run up to the garb guard and i stab him in the head you know maybe the dm doesn't want to have a discussion openly or have have one-on-one conversations if you can is my recommendation it might not even be during the game what's best is try to have that one-on-one conversation outside of the game but if the dm doesn't feel comfortable having that one-on-one conversation let's say it's somebody they're not really familiar with at the next session they could just do a blanket rule and be like hey so i want to implement a new rule From now on, I'm going to present the scenario. You'll tell me what you want to do, and then we'll roll the dice or whatever it is that the situation may be. In terms of maybe not horror story levels, but do you have any sort of D&D pet peeves, things that go under the radar, you know what I mean? Maybe not so bad as blatantly cheating during a game, but something that still will make you go, ugh, why are you doing that? (laughs) Oh, it's definitely phones at the table. (laughs) And I have done it myself. It takes the person out of what's going on at the table, and then from there, you know, they weren't paying attention. Yeah, they're gone, and and then it's just like, 
what 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 I miss? Uh, yeah, the last three people just killed everybody in the room. They you know they're looting the corpses now. So <laughs> yeah, my my bard, the bard in my party, he has ADHD, and what he does is. He has his character sheet on his phone, and I don't know how he does it, but he basically locks himself down into the character sheet so his phone can't be used for anything else. And he basically just focuses on that one thing so he doesn't get distracted. And yeah, there was this one time where um, a a party member, she doesn't do it anymore, but I one time caught her. She was playing Clash of Clans in the middle of combat, and I was just like, (laughs) man, (laughs) because it really sucks as a DM too. Like It feels like you're not engaging people. Right. And I feel part of that is um, we as people, we, we want to be engaged. We want to be able to do something. And if at that exa- exact moment we're not being engaged, sometimes we make the excuse of, well, I guess I'm going to look at memes or play Clash of Clans or whatever it may be. And it's and it's easy to think, oh, I'll just I'll just look at one Reddit post or I'll just read through a couple <laughs> a couple stories and then you all of a sudden, it ten minutes have passed, and the, the game has moved on without you. And also, it's sometimes just kind of hard. Like, how do you even mention it? Like, one time it was really bad. Like, they were showing other people memes, and then I, I just snapped my fingers, and then they they stopped. But I don't know like how to do it in in a way that is obvious what I want them to do, but at the same time not not curt. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think there was one time. Players got talking about nonsense during a scenario. I just stopped playing because it's better to just pause the game. Mm. Let let people have, you know, whatever conversation that they're doing and then pick the game back up in a few minutes. And sometimes that might be, you know, because they're showing a meme or a video but then at the end of it, you kind of go, okay, anyway, and draw attention back to the game, or at least try to. But I've heard... Thank- oh, continue. Sorry. But thankfully, I haven't had any habitual interrupters, so... Aside from myself, oddly. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard, there was a... I was watching a Dale Kingsmill video, and she pointed out that when she uses music during her games, like, just turning on the music will focus in her players... And I tried that and it worked. But the other tip that she said, because I, I thought, you know, that makes sense to me. The other tip that she said was of greater interest because it was really out there. And I figured there's no way, there is no way that works. But what she said was by putting the food at the table on a different side table, it makes people more focused. And I was like, there is no way that works. That makes no sense. I tried it and it worked like a charm. Instantaneously, people were more focused. I don't know don't know how that works or why. Do, do you have any theory as to why that happens? That is straight up goblin brain. That's goblin brain going, the precious is over there. We can't allow it to escape our, our vision or something. I, I don't know. I just... My friend's working theory is that by putting the food on a different table, because I play in person, by putting the food on a different table, it makes it feel like you're not just hanging out with your friends, you're doing something like more official or something like that, and that's why it works. But other than that, I, I just had no clue. 
Like, I just put the pizza and the Oreos there, and automatically people were... And even though they had to, like, get up to grab the food, it was still better for the game overall. But, yeah. That's that's amazing. <laughs> Might try that out. You never know. Yeah, uh, no kidding. So, when you're... Do you have any other pet peeves other than phones? Like, anything in-game that you just... You just feel might maybe not be a terrible thing, but do a player a disservice. There's really not anything my players have done in game that's been too much of a headache. Yeah, that makes aside, uh, aside from adopting NPCs. But ooh, okay, that see there you go. That's something. It's not necessarily something that's bad, but maybe just something that um, that keeps you on your toes a little bit more than you'd expect. Right, right. It, it's not bad. It's always just of a, oh, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> Do you have, so. what? what's your players, this sounds romantic, that's not what it's supposed to be, what's their type? Like, do they have a type of NPC that they always fall in love with and need to protect at all costs? Um, so far, it's happened uh, three times. And all three times, it's been somebody who was literally just coming along and going, hey, I need your help. Uh, what? And from there, the party said, help, we're going to teach you how to be an adventurer. <laughs> and, and give them a weapon and train them to be, you know, part of the crew. Because they believe that solves all problems, so... I mean, it's like it's like uh, it's like when they when they train the villagers in uh, Seven Samurai uh, to to fight for themselves, or is it more like <laughs> they just want a cool teammate? Um, honestly, maybe a little bit of both. Makes sense. But either way, the the one game where it was actually prevalent, and they adopted this kid. Sadly, that was my in-person game, and COVID got it canceled, and so it's just kind of been like a, we're going to play again, don't worry, just hasn't happened. Yeah, side note, I'm pretty sure I'll cut this, but uh, we are so close to getting my entire table vaccinated. We're, we're almost there. And my game is ending, and like, I think we're ending this campaign in like five, six sessions is what I've got. So we're getting mm. to the end. It's been like a, almost two years going, and I'm so excited. But yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, you've, you've been playing playing it for two years now? Yeah, almost two years. It has been it's been a long, and creating these characters and, and working with these people, bringing them over to my place. And uh, yeah, man, it's been a long time, but I'm, I'm super excited to see how it all goes down. Maybe I will see, that, that's really cool. I, I haven't been able to experience that yet, and the way that you can take a story and craft it and involve those players for that long. That's really cool. I mean, yeah, it's been, it's been something. Maybe I will keep that. In. Yeah. I'm keeping that in there. Anyway, okay, okay. <laughs> anyway, so in terms of, so your, your players just really like adopting random people just that, that come to them for aid. Yeah. Just somebody who's just like, Hey, I, I need help, it, it, you know, random encounters and whatnot. Or, um, for example, um, my current party, we started out with Tales of the Yawning Portal. And it's the first section of the mission, the Galthius Tree, um, Sunless Citadel. And they're 
in the castle and they end up stumbling across Meepo, which Meepo is a kobold who is bawling his eyes out because he has lost Calthrix, which is a wormling dragon. And the party was just like, you're ours now. We don't care that there's a whole tribe here. We're just, we're taking you with us. <laughs> He's cute and must be protected. Yeah, <laughs> basically. My party has a weird habit of not adopting because usually I, I create, I, I'm really bad with creating helpless characters. I almost never do it. And I think that I should probably start because I feel like, there are too many cap- characters in the campaign who are not necessarily heroes, but who are capable. Mm. And weirdly, they have a habit of really falling in love with normal guys. Just normal <laughs> guys. Just people who who are living in this crazy world. Like, I introduced this random, not even knight. He's just a soldier. He's like a foot soldier. A captain who helped them out on one mission. And they they love him so much the druid she made for for the for Valentine's Day when my game uh, my game uh, coincidentally landed on Valentine's Day and we were all gathering at our table and she took out these magnetic pins she made f- fan club <laughs> pins for this character see that's like the epitome of success as a dm you know when your players are going home they're spending their time crafting something for an NPC in your game, you know you've made it. <laughs> yeah, it was literally we love Roran with a little heart. Like she made like six of them, and I have one of them is like literally magnetized onto my screen. It was the cutest thing. But yeah, I mean, it it feels it's just it's just interesting the kind of characters that your party will just randomly fall in love with that you just never expected. Like you introduce this kobold, and you know you the you expect the party to just go along with the quest, and then move on. Turns out, no, they want this kobold to be protected at all costs. Right. That's amazing. <laughs> so but, so what was what was Rorin, aside from just a normal guy? Like, he was, he was like, just a dude. He was, he was a guy who enlisted in the military. He's got a wife, and uh, he's got a happy home life. Good parents. He's just a guy. He's literally <laughs> just a guy. <laughs> That's amazing. I gave him a a very like outsider personality he's just a dude who reacts to the crazy things he sees and i think part of it was the first interaction the first thing he ever did was my the the cleric she had just bought a a set of chainmail armor and i was pretty explicit that i mean when you're buying a set of chainmail armor and you don't give the armorer time to fit it it's not going to fit you and she was like oh wait roran's a soldier does he know how to fit armor and i rolled for it and I rolled like a 19, so I was like, sure, why not? Of course, why not? Why why wouldn't he? It's not right. like, maybe he had a job as an armorer before he was a soldier. Who knows? Uh, this is a throwaway character. It doesn't really matter. And and I decided to play him like the funny, encouraging, like kind of teacher guy who was trying to teach her how to put the armor together. And I think that that interaction really spurred on to the fact that the players really like him. And it was interesting, but... That happens not often, but it happens with your campaign or just campaigns in general where players not only do things that you don't expect, but fall in love with parts of your world that you just never would have predicted.
when you are, so you both DM and play, or is there one that you really dedicate yourself to? So, basically, I'm a forever DM. Um, every once in a while, my wife will DM, or I have another person who I'm a member of his campaign, but that campaign has also been shut down due to COVID. And so, I've been forever DMing, basically, and I really enjoy it. It's fun, it's engaging, you're constantly learning about different lore and rules and mechanics and all this other nonsense that, as a player, I probably wouldn't invest the time to learn. Even though it's a lot of work when you're DMing, I mean... Do you feel like, because because I've heard so often people talking about the curse of being a DM, and I think that that's a really weird way to look at it. Yeah, it's a responsibility, but I mean, it needs to also be fun. Do you have any advice for making prep work or the work that goes into DMing enjoyable for people who are stuck in the chair? Oh, gosh. I, I love doing it. That's the thing. I could spend hours working on just crafting lore or working on NPCs and overall a good way to enjoy it for me is I'll pop on one of these lore videos or I'll pop on other RPG horror stories or other D&D stories and I'll take inspiration from some of the neat or good things from those tales and it, it helps craft things that you wouldn't have thought of at the time if you're just relying on your own, you know, in intellect, I guess. Because um, a lot of times it's like I've never would have thought about why you could you could have a potion that binds a magical property to the drinker. Why wouldn't there? You know, there, there's just a lot in the world that other people have spent time thinking of. It it helps just standing on the shoulders of giants, basically. <laughs> yeah, like, there's nothing wrong with... Because I one of my favorite Ginny D videos is where she talks about character personalities, and she mentioned, like, hey, when you're stealing something for D&D, it's not something that is wrong. Like, obviously, you don't want to rip just rip off something and just play it one for one. But if right. you want, yeah, if you want to take inspiration from something, like you don't need to worry about intellectual property theft or something. <laughs> it's not illegal, unless you're publishing it. But unless you're publishing what, it, what what what's the chances of you taking your D and D game and publishing it? Yeah, exactly. I um, what's out of all of your. Out of all of the things that you have created for D&D, like how long have you been DMing? Uh, basically, since I started playing. <laughs> so ever so, since then, what is the? Yeah. do you have something that you're really proud of? Like a creation, a monster, a character, a piece of lore, something that you think is really cool that you made? Probably the only thing I can think of off the top of my head, my homebrew world for my homebrew campaign, which sadly has also been on hiatus. I like the idea of there being holidays infused into your D&D world. So around Christmas one year, I ran a Christmas quote-unquote one-shot. But instead of it being, you know, Christmas, because why in the world would 
D&D be celebrating Christmas, whether that's Jesus or um, Santa or anything else. I like to take inspiration from real world events and real world things such as we have, you know, the summer and winter solstices and all the different festivals that are festivals that are throughout the world that we have. And so I took that and I modified it and I added a deity and well, what also is associated with the winter solstice Northern lights. And I added elements of that to this holiday. And instead of it being the, you know, the land reaching a certain pinnacle of the axis in order to refract light, instead there's this deity and he's coming in and actually painting the step, the sky with these lights. And as he's doing that, he's also lighting paper lanterns for the people that worship him and that type of stuff. So that is sick. <laughs> I might steal that. That's, that's a really cool. Was, if, uh, if you, if you want to see it, I've got a whole video where I explain the one shot and it actually goes more into the actual lore. of how It's I in the cards. It out, so it is now in the cards. Future crispy. Remember to do that. So, uh, other than, so when you're, when you're developing these holidays and you're taking inspiration from the real world, a lot of DMs take inspiration. We just talked a little bit about it. Do you have a favorite or a couple favorite spots that you just love to take inspiration from? It could be like a book series. It could be a series of mythology, anything. Um, have you ever seen the magicians? The show, it takes place in a college. Yeah. Yup, I saw half a season one with my mom. It, something about it, it adds complexity um, enough to a level where it's like, there's a lot going on. But not overwhelming. Not overwhelming. It's enough to keep track of. And I have stolen a few ideas from that to implement into my own games but that that's one aspect aside from that eventually i don't know when but eventually i'm going to run a harry potter game just i need a whole campaign for that because it's something that's been on my mind and i know people have done it i can't remember the channel name there's like angels something they actually did a full Harry Potter themed campaign and there's other ones that are out there. There's a bunch of actual useful PDFs to show you how to play. It's just finding the time to actually run that along with all the other games that you're running and YouTube and everything else. So <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is, yeah, that totally makes sense. I've, I've always wanted to, there's a part of me that's wanted to do Harry Potter or maybe star Wars, uh, like a world that my players would know because I feel like that would create more investment. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to get into. And also I feel like there's a part of it that fe- that feels, there's a part of making your own world that feels really good. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so I think that's going to be where we wrap it up. This has been really good. I completely lost track of the time. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I've, greatly enjoyed talking with you i'm sorry that i probably didn't ask you as many questions as oh no no you've no. asked me but it's your episode man you can ask as many or as little or no questions at all if you want so with that being said uh thank you all so much for 
listening. If you've listened to the entire thing, thank you so much. Please do subscribe to Artificial DM. His channel is linked in the description. If, if you're on YouTube, it's linked in the cards. If you want to see more episodes of this, then please do subscribe to Crispy's Tavern or follow whatever podcast platform you're on. If you want to let me know that you enjoyed it, please do leave a like. And if you can comment, then please do leave your thoughts in the comments down below. In essence, like, comment, subscribe. I will see you all next time. Farewell.